millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, and welcome to the Rogue Report Exiles podcast in association with Volks Brewery. And on this week's group therapy session, we have Martin Wallace, who's in Armadale in New South Wales in Australia. You right there, Martin? Champion, thank you. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm being better, but you know, that's just football, isn't it? We've got Gary Winter in London. You right there, Gary? Yeah, good, Rich. And we've got Niall Bromley, usually in Nice in the south of France, but at this time of year in Blythe and Northumberland. You right there, Niall? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm all right, aye. aye. Have, you re- have you recovered from last night? Because you were at the match, weren't you, mate? Uh, my toes have. My toes have recovered. I thought they were going to drop off, drop off at some point, like, but no, they're, they're really getting a lot better. But uh, mentally, no. But yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that a lot more later. Well, why why don't we start there now? To be oh. frank, why don't we why don't we get it out of the way, lads? Because uh, last night's dire defeat to Burton Albion, two one, no shots in the last twenty minutes. Will Grigg hasn't had a shot on target in in two games. Was it as bad as it sounded? I mean, I was listening to uh, the the BBC Newcastle commentary. It didn't sound great, but they haven't sounded great for a fair while. So, what was it like being there? Um, yeah, so. To be honest with you, it didn't. We actually started a lot better than what we did um, at the weekend against Coventry, and it was a bit strange. But the fans, I'd say, were a lot more positive yesterday as well. But I actually did some singing, Rich, which I haven't done in a long time. I can't remember last day. Well, Wickham away when we went on my Wabaki races uh, away trip. But apart from that, like the, you know, there was the atmosphere seemed a little bit better. I think the fans just really want this team to do well and, and want the club to do well, and I think everybody's. We're fed up of, of where we are, and you know the the atmosphere was much better. But yeah, it, it, we started well. I think the players did respond to that well. But then, well, to be honest, the, probably the worst thing that could happen was yesterday was getting that penalty, because as soon as we scored, it, it we just, I mean, we fell asleep as soon as we scored. They always say you're you're your most vulnerable, don't they, when you score? And, and that was oh, that was blatant, and that was us last night. I think the players were still, you know calming down from the penalty and, and they've gone up the other end they've scored a soft goal Conor McLaughlin who I mean he was he wasn't great last night Conor McLaughlin like I think he you know we need to find a way of, of replacing him personally he was he was shocking really bad and, and to be honest I don't think he's had a good game 
at all since coming to the club. So his fault, uh, yeah, and they've getting back in the game. And then after that, we we had a spell, um, sort of early second half where we're I think first fifteen minutes and again. France won full voice, but other than that, as soon as they scored, that was it. We had nothing left in us. We had nothing. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was absolutely pathetic, to be perfectly honest. You're coming off the back of that Coventry game, which was almost as, as bad. You know, the only thing I choose to do was make Saturday's performance look um, a little bit better. I think the team selection at the start, like to me, after Kim York scores that goal, on, on Saturday, you, you throw him in and you, you get the you know everybody up front, you get his energy up front, you get him closing down. And I just think you really missed a trick with that team selection to, to start with. And I admit it comes to a it's a bad state of affairs when we're pinning our hopes on Kim Bjorka. His energy. Can I just weigh in for one second, Martin? Sorry, but with Kim Bjorka, like, I, I agree in the sense that he probably. He should have been given a chance a lot earlier than what he did, but I've watched a lot of under-23s football this season and I know a lot of other people that have as well and he doesn't produce the goods for them and, you know, or very rarely does. So I think putting him straight in in a, in a must-win game like last night was, and I agree that I think Will Greg had to start. I get what you're, what you're saying, though, I, and I kind of agreed to an extent that we probably should have given him a chance, but... I have seen him for the under-23s and I do think that lad, I think he's a good player. I think we've got a player there but I think he needs a little bit more, he needs he needs a couple oh, look, more years and alone. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying for any stretch of the imagination he should be our first choice striker week in, week out for the rest of the season. I just think his, the running he showed and the closing down he showed in the last 10 minutes against Coventry is exactly what we need up front. We need that energy up front and putting him there with um, the, the role that 9 was in last night I just think you, Griggs, Griggs shot. Grig is shot to bits and he, he will never come good for us as far as I'm concerned. And I think we just need to look elsewhere. We need to stop pinning our hopes on him. I was going to say, uh, just the Benji stuff, Just this is what it's come to, I think, for me, just clutching at straws. Just I think, yeah, you ran around a bit. He seems to have a bit of energy, but and I'm not against, I wouldn't have been against him starting. I just think the goal he scored on, Saturday, I mean, as great as it was in that late on, it's just, there's no, there's nothing spectacular. There's no great movement. There's nothing special about it. I mean, I could have scored that. I just, I don't understand why that ball never falls like that for Grigg, because as I say, it's not like he made a run. Grigg's pretty static as well. And it's just fallen to him from about five yards out, right place, right time. But I don't know. I think, as I said, clutching at straws for me, just getting on the Benji bandwagon. This season now has just come to clutching the straws with Gary, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't don't disagree with that. Um, <laughs> to be honest, but it's the, for me, it's the, the same old things. That are just even under Ross, probably even going back further, just it's the same fundamental things that I think need addressing with this side. And I think it's just like possession. I I won't really comment because I think we still have a problem stringing passes together and a bit clueless what to do with the ball. But then you've got two other factors. You've got attacking transition and defensive transition and I think just both of them we're just we're just so slow at just putting either in effect when we're attacking we seem to have this thing where we just wait for the opposition to get back into position take their shape again and we seem to have a lot of the ball in front of their back four for example 
Um, I just think back to the Peterborough game where they absolutely destroyed us. I was at that one, and the difference was was amazing. Just the the front three for them. Every time they broke on us, they were moving the ball through the line so quickly. All our players were all over the place, and it's so much easier to play through a team when when they're shot, when they're all over the place. And as I say, we're just a lot slower. We get the ball a bit sideways. Everyone takes their shape, and it's really hard to break through. And I just think with clean sheets as well on the opposite side with defensive transitions we're just not we're just so reactive we just don't seem to spot that potential of losing the football and then off they go and attack and it's just we can see terrible goals again just we just don't anticipate that someone might lose the ball and kind of err on the side of caution and take up a position that might might help us in that respect i say this is an age-old thing it is but you know the team's reactive and that's because over the past, you know, three, four, five, six seasons, the club as a whole has been reactive. And I think we we really need to to look at the club as a whole in terms of how the football structure is set up, because that's what's resulting in what we're seeing on the field. And it's it's got no structure. It hasn't had any plan or any structure for years now. Going back to when Ellis Short was was here with his you know multitude of directors of football. Well, I I was I was talking to a Swansea City fan today, and Swansea City, you know, they've been up and down, and and you know they're they're not doing particularly great in the championship at the moment, but they've over a, a long period of time had a consistency in in kind of how they play in their style of play. They've they've gone through managers, and they've they've you know not happily let managers move on and up to to bigger things in Gary Potter etc. This they've always played with a particular philosophy over the last fifteen years, going back, you know, yeah, all, all the way Martinez and beyond, really, and that that is lacking at our club. And how how are we going to rectify it? I mean, what, what, where do we go from here in terms of the? But that, that that's not that easy, Rich. As in, that's like the ideal. If you can get a side, ideally, that you've got such a philosophy and culture in place that players just seem to come and go seamlessly slot in the replacements same with managers and Swansea went through that time where they just seemed to whether it's Paolo Sosa any of those guys they were just coming in and out Brendan Rodgers and nothing seemed to really change everything sat together whereas we've got the opposite that whoever comes in manager or player it just doesn't make a difference we've just got the same problem it doesn't matter who's on the pitch who's in the dugout the same problems are still ongoing and we just can't get out of it. I do think there's a chance we're we're letting some of the players off the hook though by looking at you know looking too deep into structure and looking back through the history. Is for me over the last few games there have been there have been players who haven't stood up and shown their experience and their their quality. You know we can we can all we all know who we're talking about. You know the more experienced, the big names, the supposedly best players in the league who would who would just not not turn up. And it, I was thinking about this last night. We've played some of our best football when say. Someone like Aidan McGeady and even Chris Maguire haven't been on the pitch this season. Uh, I don't know what you think have. about that. No, look, we, we haven't. If if there was one simple answer to Sunderland AFC problems, then it would be easily rectified, wouldn't it? So I think you, you look at the performance on the field and some some individuals have been diabolical this season and the attitude absolutely stinks. And at, we absolutely shouldn't um, over, overlook that at all because... You know, you look at like the likes of McGeady, the likes of Maguire. It seems to me that they've they they don't want to be playing for for Parkinson, whatever 
they might say publicly or not say publicly. You look to McGee, you know, when you look back at the, um, the Netflix documentary and McGee's comments about Chris Coleman while Coleman was still in the job, you can kind of see what a divisive character he might be behind the scenes if things aren't going going his way. And I think we've um, potentially underestimated the amount of work Jack Ross was doing behind the scenes pulling that group of players together. Well, the thing is, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think the hardest part about that, and it goes back to what you were saying about Swansea before as well, Rich, is the fact that all these players that have all come from different places, because of the massive, massive transition the club has took in the last three years of dropping down two leagues from from the the best league in the world to where we are now to the you know to Sunday league football. It's I mean the thing is you've got too many players in that team personally who are just in different places. Ian McGeady, he's gonna like what you said there about what he said about Coleman and the documentary. I mean. This is a guy that's played Champions League. He's played in Europe. He's played in the Premier League. No player can, in that dressing room can probably say anything to him because he, you know, they're like, well, I see the McGee, you know, he's, he's been there, he's done it. He's had a he's had an excellent career. And, and then you've got other players like Denver Hume. I mean, let's not forget these are all players in the exact same team all, all wanting the same thing, which is to get out of this league. Well, hopefully that's what they want. And, you know, like Chris Maguire, he's not at the, you know, he's, He's at this. This is the biggest club he's ever played for. Um, I know Derby fans might have an argument against that, but he was just young then. But to be at Sunderland, he loves it because he's playing this big stadium and he's a big game player and he's a you know he likes playing at derbies and he, he likes doing his shit housery and and the fans will, will love that and and the fans have loved that and you know and and then you've got other players like Will Greg who who's came in as a saviour. Everyone's there for completely different reasons. And they're at completely different stages and and they've all come from different places. And when Rich said about Swansea, if you look at that team, other than the likes of Leon Britton, who who came through, the rest of them, they brought a load of young players in. You know, they nurtured them and they adapted and they all had the same philosophy and the same mentality, you know. And, and, and we'll see in that Leon Britton and Gary Munker players, I had that in, installed in them as well. But, you know, they all had that. We, we don't have it. We're, like you say, we're literally... We're a squad made up of of good players, but we're not a team. And there's too many different personalities for me personally in that team. That's why I think everybody was craving, everybody was crying for the likes of Robson, Embleton, Hume, players like that, to come in, manage sorrow before they left to come in and to you know to have this this you know the love the club because they're from the area and. Or whatever, and it's just for whatever reason it's not happening. That's what should have happened. That is what should have happened. We should have done that. But like I say, nobody could have argued with the business with the start of last summer. And I mean, this time was a little bit different. But you know, people were like, "Oh, well, we need to get these players in." No, maybe it doesn't work. Uh, and I mean, I probably rambled a bit there, but you know what I mean. People have come from too many different places. For me personally, and it's not working. And there's probably a lot of personality crashes. I don't know that for a fact, but. There possibly is, and it's just it's difficult for anyone, especially someone like Parkinson who's coming in, who for whatever reason it looks like isn't getting the respect of the players, and he probably never had it from the moment he walked through the door. I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's it's still in my head, like. 
It's a blue, it's a bloody mess. I agree with that now, but it is. The, the personality, the personality <laughs> clash isn't really an excuse, though, is it really now? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Rich was right in the first place. The players shouldn't get off the hook for this. They're, they're absolute criminals at the moment. I just think everything's pointing at the manager, but they're the common denominator here. They've been a lot of them have been here through last season as well, and yeah, it's, I just think it's infuriating that they seem to be able to decide whether they want to play for a manager or not. Some salt no, that get, Ross has gone, maybe, I don't know. To be honest, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. But historically, everyone's going to laugh when I say this. But if you look at other teams, historically, who have done what we've done, which is get very good players and probably the best players to be in that league, in, in, in the team, and try and gel them, it never works at any level. At any level. I mean, remember all them years ago with, with Real Madrid, by the way, I'm not comparing something to Real Madrid before everyone starts taking them. Remember when, when they got all the you know, the big lads in and, and the Galacticals is what they called them and that never worked for years. It didn't work. There was too many big personalities. It ne- it didn't work. It, you know, that team barely won anything really compared to what the show I, I agree was. with that now. And the only reason... I, I agree with that, that now, but don't yeah. you think though that at League One level, this is hardly all right, Galacticos of League One, but don't you think there should be a bit more humbleness when you're in League One? Like some of these guys, no offence to them, or maybe actually loads of offence to them, they they wouldn't have this opportunity that if we're still in the Premier League. So well, yeah, they, exactly. they should be privileged to play for this club. Like as a minimum, they should be leading the league in effort and commitment for that privilege alone. I mean, if they're always and, in effort, I think the results would probably come fall our way more often than not. Not because they're I the most that. talented side in the league. I don't believe that at all, but I just think they've got enough talent-wise that the rest is probably down to commitment and well, desire. I think when it comes to talent, I think the best you can get out of this team when it comes to talent is finishing fifth and getting the playoff final. And, you know, I'd, like, because Jack Ross, everyone thought at the time, you know, it wasn't working this out. Maybe, just looking now, I mean, hindsight's sounds a lovely thing, but maybe looking now, he, he did a fantastic job. I mean, we don't know that. I'm not saying that that's the case. But that could be the case and Parkinson's come in, who's not as good a manager as Jack Ross, and he's feeling with them. And maybe they played out their skins and did absolutely everything they could last season with a few tweaks in the summer this season. That, you know, we haven't actually brought that much in. But maybe that is as good as what this team is. Maybe it isn't actually any better than that. But then again, how can you say that when you've got the likes of Max Power, who's done it before with Wigan, and Will Gregg, who's done it, and Ada McGeady, who's done it at such a level... And, you know, Catamol, who was here last season, who, who did it at the Premier League. I don't know. It, I'm just, to be honest, I'm just going to contradict myself because I, I really don't know the answer. But I, I just I just feel like there's, I don't know, there's obviously something. But I, for me personally, it, it's got to be a personality thing. It's got to be. I know you're saying it shouldn't be like that, but I just don't see what else the, the problem could lie with it. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know, but I do, I do. I am starting to think. I think a lot of people are starting to think maybe Jack Ross did genuinely get the best out of that team. Oh, look, I, no. I think I think Jack Ross got an awful lot out of that team last season, an awful lot out of it. And I think, especially if you look at that period between August when he came in, or July, June when he came in, and January, February, he got he got more out of that team than, than he potentially should have, and a lot of that was down to Madge's goals. Once we took Madger out of the team, it was evident that there was no reliance on his his goals and his conversion rate because it was it was astronomical. And Wildrick hasn't worked, full stop. When we, we know that, we can see that. In the summer, there was obviously all of the takeover talk and I, I think 
you know, it's as I said before, it's not there's not one answer to all of this. Since January, February, Stuart Donald and Charlie Methven have been totally preoccupied with selling the club to to some extent, whether it's selling it completely or getting a major investment into it. Jack Ross had to have transfer talks with Mark Campbell in the summer to identify targets, apparently. And there was no planning, no strategy, anything in our summer transfer window. Jack Ross started, for whatever reason, this, this is to me where Jack Ross completely messed it up. The, the only four pre-season games that we have, if I, uh, if I remember correctly, we, we played three at the back, which was a completely alien system to that group of players. And really, that team at the end of the season, obviously just got beaten last minute in the playoff final, that team needed a couple of tweaks. One, getting a really good goal scorer in, and two, getting a, another creative wide player, in my opinion. And that team would have been challenging for the top two places. For whatever reason, Jack Ross tried to rip it up and start again with a new formation, which he ditched after a game and a half. And he's paid the price for that. The players, for whatever reason, sort of lost, lost their form. And now we're in a situation where we've, rather than having a team where we need a little bit of tinkering done to, to in fine-tuning to get up to that top two position, we've kind of ripped it up and Parkinson's just took a wrecking ball to it and tried to demolish it and build something from, from scratch. Do we think that there's a there's a... A proportion of the blame that needs to be um, laid at the the feet of the the people running the club, the people who are ultimately 100%. responsible. Because, I mean, these are guys have come in. I'm not doubting their intentions. My big question is, do they actually do they know what they're doing in running a, a club of of this size in terms of the size of the fan base, which you know is 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 undoubtedly we're still getting twenty odd thousand on a Tuesday night against Burton Albion. You know, there's no doubt in the size of the club and the the responsibility that comes with that. Are these are these guys out of their depth? They're not making it because to, to me, some of the decisions that they've made, the decision to put the the preseason on hold while a, a one takeover didn't go ahead, a decision to trail a takeover that didn't turn into a takeover, a decision to 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 sack Ross. You know, we were all demanding it. I'm not, I'm you know, hands up there. I I'd, I'd turn by the end of it as well. Decision to bring in a manager who plays a very different style of football to what to what Jack Ross would want to play. And when we were playing out, our oh, best did play last season. These decisions, the, the, the decision not to have a director of football in place yet, these decisions, they, they've got to answer for those. Oh, look, first of all, they, I do not doubt their intentions, right? I think they're here to do a good job. I think they're here for the right reasons. I think they are playing a real-life version of football manager to an extent. League One, for them, in their footballing world and football experience previously, is like working in the Champions League. You know, the difference from Eastleigh and, you know, from Oxford, where Oxford were when they were involved, League One, the top of League One, the chance of going to the Championship is like playing in the Champions League. So they are operating at a far higher level than um, they've ever done before, and we are operating at a far lower level than we've ever done before. So there's a, there's a discrepancy there in terms, of, in terms of those two things. What they should have done in the summer, and like, I, I think they had a really good seven months when they first came in, they had a really good seven months. For the best part of a year now, they've been trying to sell the club. And they have been preoccupied with that. There's been no foundations put in place to to really build something. And that, that was the only, I've said it before, that was the only potential positive about going down to League One. The chance to kind of start things again. Put a really firm structure in place to enable us to do something 
like Swansea did, like Bournemouth have done, like other clubs who are overachieving and building things like Sheffield United have done, we, we could have done that. The concentration of being there to, to really set up a structure for the long term, they would have made that a priority in, in the summer. And that is that chance has fallen by the wayside. Um, so they have to be held hugely accountable for what's gone on. And as I said, I think allegations of them trying to fleece the club and just flip the club and all that sort of stuff, I think um, they are in it for the right reasons. However, they have made serious mistakes on the footballing side, and I think they do need questions. Yeah, absolutely. So they're the ones who appointed Phil Parkinson. There's a big scramble today on social media, last night on social media, and and, and listening to some of the uh, the other radio shows and podcasts that have gone out there, Totally Football League show, I was listening to uh, before we started talking, and they, and they were saying that Parkinson's under pressure. Have He's the, got to be. Have they got a decision to make there? The owners are we in that window that you know the week or so we've got before before we go to Gillingham again, where Parkinson might be at risk of losing his job. Oh look, if if I was in charge of that decision, he'd he'd be gone. Um, I think you, you've made one mistake by appointing him in the first place. A bigger mistake is not acting and getting rid of him when the signs are so clearly evident that he is not going to work here. To my mind, again, like that, that side needed some tinkering with. It just needed a couple of little tweaks doing to it and a decent side to compete for the top three or four places in, in that league. And he has wrecked us within how many games? 10 games? 11 games, whatever he's had. I, uh, uh, yeah, se- lo- lost seven out of 11. Lost seven out of yeah. 11. If you look at what Ross did last season and you look at that record, it's absolutely criminal. Right? right, and everybody's okay. banging on about give him a transfer window. One of the biggest premises of bringing him in, we were sold, was that he worked under a transfer embargo at Bolton and got them up, working with what he'd got. And you can't go from that to saying, "Oh, I need a transfer window to bring in five players, play my style." That's just bullshit. Well, Martin, I, I know, but come on, that that's that eleven game thing. I mean, we've got to remember, man. What five of them are cups? Five of them were cup games. I know what you're saying. It, the, the the stats aren't great, but who, it's not just the stats, Nile. It's what you're seeing with your eyes, man. Yeah, I know. The, play, I know, the players aren't know, playing with them. The, the results aren't there. The performances aren't there. But he's, Martin, he's regressing the, the side. The players. Well, the result. You know what? This is exactly what everybody and what we were saying about Jack Ross. The the players aren't playing for him. The results aren't great. You know, and now you're seeing cries for him for you know people wanting him back. It's the end of the day, yeah, he's got now a 10-day period. He's not had that since he's been at the club. You've got to remember, he's been doing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, every week since he's came. He's had these pointless cup games. And let's be honest, none of us wanted to play in the Cups. Nobody cared about the Cups. Well, you know, I if we're beating Oxford, it might be getting a bit exciting because then would have been the quarterfinal of the League Cup. But let's be honest, our main focus has always been and has to be the league. It's as simple as that. And yeah, we got out and knocked out the cups. Maybe we didn't, you know, get beat the way we did at Down at Scunthorpe. It is embarrassing, but at the end of the day, like, and, and I'm not saying we, we should have lost those games on paper, games on purpose or anything like that. But those players and you know everybody involved, like everybody would have known that that isn't the priority, and and it's just going to those games and they're a bit of a hindrance and nobody really wants to play them. But now it's the league, and now we can focus. Now we're you can't turn it on and off like that. Now you can't turn it on and off like that. 
Well, I'm not saying you can turn it on and off, but what I'm saying is, like, Martin, in the last game we played before this one in the, sorry, I, at Gillingham last week, right, we had two players who were playing games somewhere else across the world. I mean, we had one defender, one first-team defender who, who could start. Like, at the end of the day, well, I wasn't surprised last week when we got beat off Gillingham, but then it's just like, Nobody looks at the actual big picture, and everyone just thinks that's another defeat. We'll just add it to the list of it now. It's now eleven defeats and whatever. And it's it's not the case. Like I think you've got to give the guy a transfer window. You're saying about the transfer embargo, but he he'd already been at that club before the transfer embargo. He'd already been there. So some of them players he had brought in anyway. So the the thing is, I, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. Don't get us wrong. I'm not disagreeing to an to full, but I, I just think that. Yeah, last night was disgusting. It was horrible. It was. But I think that's that's only his, his sixth league game, I think. His sixth league game. So, and how many still so early. I mean, he's, he's won, won he's one lost, out of six. No, he's won two, two, two league out of games. Six, sorry. Two, two. He's won two. two. He's, sorry, he's won two, he's drawn two, and he's lost two. No. he's Sorry, he's won two, he's drawn one, and he's lost three. Which isn't a great return, but it's still such early days. He's, he's, I think he's been at the club for a month. Just over a month. I mean, you t- I'm sorry, but for me personally, to say that he's, you know, get rid of him, he's not the man, blah, blah, and, and it's not true with the transfer window, I think that's harsh. And don't get wrong, if they sacked him, I'd, I'd be like, right, I, I get it. But for me personally, I think it's harsh, and I think you need to give the guy a bit more time. He's got 10 days now, he's got 10 days, which is the longest stint he's had before a game. Let's see what he can do. And then after that, if we don't get the result at Gillingham, I, I mean, if we get beat or whatever, I can see the club making the change. But for me, I just think it's a little bit harsh to be saying that, you know, get get rid of the guy, he's, he's this, he's that, it's not working, blah, 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 when he's been there for, what, five weeks? Oh, look, right. it, it, it is, but I think, again, I think a, a bigger mistake is not acting when it's clearly obvious that's the wrong choice. And to my mind, and obviously some people will disagree, to my mind, it's blatant that he is the wrong person to be managing this football club. I think at this period of time, you go, okay, well, we'll have a good season now if we finish in the playoffs, right? From this point, we'll be doing pretty well if we get a playoff position. And I think I any half-decent manager should be able to get us challenging for that playoff position. I so agree, the, the, but you, you've got to remember as well, Martin, he's, he's, he's come in and he's inherited a team, which I think, like I said before, I don't know, this is all just me guessing to an extent, but I, I do actually think that the likes of McGeady, the likes of Maguire, they obviously love Jack Ross. You could tell they love Jack Ross. And they're the big fishes in that in that dressing room. You can tell they're the big fishes. He, he's got all this job, like all this he's got to deal with. And he, like you say, he got thrown in. He came in on the Thursday and he had a game on the, on the Saturday and he only had one training session. You know what I mean? Like, it, he's not had any time. And now we might see with him having longer periods of time, we'll see what happens. But I, I don't think, he him getting that job, everyone thinks, oh, he should be lucky to be this club. He's a nobody. You know, he's at something in the FC. He's, he's at this massive club and he's a nobody. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean that he's got an easy job. Has he? He has got the the last thing that guy's got is an easy job. He's got a, he's got a fucking horrible job. He's got a, probably the worst job in football at the minute. And we've just we've just got to let him see what he can do. And I'll tell you one thing, his interview after the game last night, for me personally, I thought it was brilliant what he said. After the whole stadium's up, saying you're getting sacked in the morning, that must have been horrible. But, you know, he, he just said, you know, I totally agree, agree with what the fans are saying. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. We weren't good. We weren't doing it. So he's seeing the problems. Hopefully he can rectify it. 
that's just what I think. I know right. I'm right. probably in the minority, but Gary, have you got any uh, perspective on on Phil Parkinson <laughs> and, and on his future? Uh, you've, you've heard what Martin and uh, Niall have been. Yeah, I'm just just weighing, weighing up the arguments between Martin and Niall. Um, yeah, I, I can completely see both sides. I understand why he's under such pressure already because this is an awful start. I do think some of the attacks are just getting a bit personal too soon. I just think some of the stuff about him being a serial loser, well, he, well he's not because CV says like League 2 playoff win with Bradford, League 1 playoff semi, League Cup final, FA Cup quarter final, Bradford, and then the promotion with Bolton. It's not... Sometimes you just think with what you read that they've just hired someone who's just continuously got teams relegated from the lower leagues, but he's obviously achieved some success in his career and that's why he's been hired because I do believe that some of the candidates that he was up against there was nothing that inspiring about that list and it's only come to fruition now because he's had a crack at the job and it's gone quite frankly appallingly for the first 11 games that it's easy to say like oh Daniel Stendhal would have been a better choice or Ainsworth or whatever but I mean you said about the owners making mistakes it's hard to even say whether this is one of them because it's just an awful start but Niles I do agree with Niall on the the 11 games half of them being cut because suddenly we care when we lose the matches and I agree the manner of the defeats was was terrible because we're playing strong teams out there but at the end of the day the league form or is awful but the damage isn't done yet because I think we all think, say, like a team like Peterborough, uh, uh, golf apart, but they're only third and what five points ahead of us, and we've got a game in hand. So the season's rescuable, but then so, there's so the a decision question, to be made. So Gary, I guess the question there is how how many more games do we give Parkinson to show that we we actually are starting to head in the right direction? Because we've said, I think Niall said already, after if we get beat next game against Gillingham then that could be curtains for him. It could well be. I feel like every game he goes into, it could be. And this is the end of Jack Ross's reign was the same. And that's why I'm honest. I think he's gone already, Parkinson. So to that effect, maybe it's time to just chop him now. But I feel like every game that goes by, it will be one defeat away from having these calls again. I don't think he's going to get sacked right now. But again, if it's a, a poor defeat at Chillingham... I don't know who we've got after that, but it just mounts just every time we don't string more than a win together. Or it's, I think he's just on the edge, and I, I think he's gone, if I'm honest. Well, um, I think that's probably a good point to uh, to bring that conversation to to an end. I I want I'm going to park the question of who you might want to see in his place for for another recording. Maybe we can come back to that uh, when we've had another week to stew over can the air. Point out, Rich. I think Aye. I think I'm right in saying I might be wrong. I think the the game after Gillingham, we've got Blackpool at home. Mm-hmm. Blackpool are managed by Simon Grayson. Simon Grayson Indeed. got sacked from Sunderland after playing a Phil Parkinson team at the stadium of life. Well, there could be a symmetry there, couldn't There's there? Some nice footballing symmetry there. If I'm not talking rubbish, which I might, I might, I might be, but I don't think I am. <laughs> Well, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, and that, that's, yeah, you've worked that out, like, bloody hell, I you're totally right, it was Bolton 3-3, and he got sacked 50 minutes after, hats off, Martin, that was good, that, I'm impressed by that, <laughs> Alright, well, um, we're going we're gonna to move on now, and uh, earlier this evening, I spoke to Louise Hunter, who is also down in Australia, uh, in Sydney, 
from the Sydney Sunderland Supporters Group. So uh, here is me speaking to Louise earlier this evening. And I'm joined down the line now by Louise Hunter from Sydney in Australia. You're right there, Louise. Yes, I'm fine. Thanks, Rich. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Um, just we'll, we'll get out the way at the beginning, shall we? Um, me and you, we went to school together. About we 20, did. 20 odd years ago. Yep. In yeah, Farringdon. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were Farringdon School in uh, class of 98. Um, yeah, so it's, memories. Yeah, it's nice, nice to speak to you. And uh, we'll also get out the way that you're um, you're the sister of one of our regular contributors, uh, That's Paul. Right, I am. You That's are. Right. <laughs> so, um, Louise, you're um, in the Sydney Sunderland uh, supporters. Is that the name of the group? That is, yeah, that's the name of our group. So, so you're all based around uh, Sydney and Australia. And um, so, how did you end up down there? Uh, well, I came here almost 11 years ago now. Um, I was actually at home doing my teaching degree, doing my PGCE. And me and one of my friends who we were on placement together, we just got chatting one night and decided we didn't want to finish studying and then just work forever. So, we decided we'd come out and do some traveling together and we did um yeah nearly 11 years later here i am still teaching (laughs) but you know um somewhere with a bit more sunshine than than where we met yeah because you're you're in summertime now aren't you yeah that's right just coming into summer yeah lovely and we're we're just descending into the depths of winter here yeah uh, well i will be coming home to experience that because i'm coming home for for christmas this year for the first time in nearly 11 years so oh wow yeah I will don't get be, off without it this year. <laughs> will you be getting to the uh, Boxing Day game? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I've already got, got Paula on to booking the tickets. Yeah, definitely. That's um, one of the things um, high up on the on the priorities for when I'm home. Yeah, it will be for me as well. I'm taking my little lad um, to his oh. first Boxing Day, Day match as well. And we're going to be in the Roker end with all, oh, the nice. with all the flags. He's really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it, that's always a good time for everyone to get together. All the exiles will be will be coming back, and oh. uh, yeah, yeah, sounds um, good. Yeah, it is. And so um, you're in the you're in the Sydney um, Sunderland supporters group. Uh, can you that's tell right. us a little bit of the history about um, the group, about the branch, and and kind of what you get up to, really? Yeah, definitely. So um, we actually started about five years ago when our founding member Chris Chris Green. Uh, he's an Aussie lad, born and bred, but for one reason or another, decided to to be a Sunderland fan. Um, and he was on his way over to the UK for a holiday and had a stop over in Dubai, where he came across the UAE supporters branch, um, headed up by Stuart White, I believe at the time. And right, Chris yeah. got in touch with Stuart, um, went along to one of their meetups and just had an amazing time with them. Thought this is such a great idea, getting Sunderland fans from elsewhere together to watch the matches together. I mean, that was back when we were in the Premier League as well. Um, so then upon his return back to Sydney, Chris decided he'd set up a Sydney Sunderland supporters group, which started with a Facebook page. Um, and then I, I saw then a few people got got into the group that way. Uh, I actually had met Chris and became part of the group on a bit of a chance meeting one night. It was about five seasons ago when we played Man United on the Saturday night when we beat them 2-1. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was actually in the Sydney Casino with another couple of friends who were also Mackhams. And we just happened to see Chris and this other one guy, just the two of them alone in their Sunderland shirts, sitting at a table in the casino surrounded by all these Man U fans. 
So we just went over, sat with them, got chatting. And that's where we found out about the Sydney Sunderland supporters group. So then we became members. And then since then, the Facebook page has just, just grown. And and yeah, so, I mean, it's a bit more tricky now to get to get regular get-togethers to actually watch the game since we got relegated to the championship and then League One is... I'm sure you and all of your listeners know. <laughs> um, so it's a bit harder to get together because all of the Premier League matches in Australia you see are shown. It's even if your match isn't necessarily a featured match, you can actually push the, the button on the TV and you can see all of the Premier League matches so you can watch any of them you want. But then Championship and League One, you're relying on a certain channel that might screen three or four throughout the season. So... We we do still get together when we can, but these days it's more we'll get together and have, you know, just social events anyway, just to keep, just to catch up and stay together as mates. And we might have some weekend events in the park where people come down for picnics and barbecues. So there's still a way to keep the group together, even if it's not as much to watch the, the football anymore. Oh, that sounds really good. It sounds like... Um... You know, it's a, it's a good social life you get being a Sunderland fan, and and, yeah. and I love the, I love the fact that you bump in you bumped into the the guy. That's how it is, isn't it? I mean, everywhere you go yeah. in the world, there's a there's a um, there's a Sunderland fan. I'm sure the guy who does the mobile post office around us is a Sunderland fan as well. <laughs> we get we get we get everywhere. Um, yeah, it tends so, to be like that. <laughs> so oh, it's great to hear about how the branch has been built up like that and and we've had a few stories of kind of newly established branches recently um so is it mostly people who've moved down from the northeast um it's a real mixture there, there are quite a few um, born and bred Mackhams, um or you know from the surrounding um areas in the northeast but there are quite a lot of people that aren't you know either weren't born in england at all or weren't born in sunderland that that have a funny backstory as to why they're sunderland fans and um, i'll give you one example one of our Longtime members, Ricky, he actually is a Sunderland fan because as a kid, he won the league with them on Champman. So, yeah, I bet he's wishing he picked a different team now <laughs> to play that game with. Yeah, I think I was always Wickham Wanderers. And when, when we, went, <laughs> we, went, we met up there as a group of exiles, uh, I think your Paul was there. And uh, oh, really? it, was, it was a little bit of a homecoming for me as a Champman player. But, <laughs> but it wasn't a great result, certainly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, there, there are a few people that aren't from Sunderland, but yeah, like I say, that they've got they've got one reason or another to to follow them. But you know, they, they all stick with them, so <laughs> they're welcomed into the group with open arms. Absolutely, and you've got contacts with other um, other groups of Sunderland fans over in Australia as well. Uh, the Melbourne Mackhams you mentioned. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there is a group in Melbourne um, called the Melbourne Mackhams, and uh, yeah, uh, I know that uh, our Chris, the founder of our group, he's in, in contact with, with those guys regularly. And I mean, the, the thing with Australia is everywhere is so far away that from Sydney to Melbourne is a plane ride. Um, so, you know, you know, arranging meetups between the branches is is a lot harder than what it would be yeah. in England. But it, it is nice just to have that other group out there as a contact for events where we may get to may be able to get together or just correspond about how badly Sunderland are doing in general. Yeah. Have you seen an, an uptick in interest of the club coming from like the, the Netflix documentary, Sunderland Till I Die? Has that had any impact? Did you get like an influx of people who were newly interested in the club? Or Since the Netflix documentary, we probably have seen a few more people come to, to meetups that we do have. Um, I mean, since then, the main events that we've had 
have been to watch all of the Portsmouth games that seem to be televised at the back end of last season, been the league and and the cup. And uh, in general, though, just even you know in Sydney in your day to day life, if you get you know you strike up a conversation with somebody out and about, you tell them you're a Sunderland fan. The first thing that they'll say is, "Oh yeah, I've seen the." Netflix documentary Sunderland Till I Die so it seems to be that there's a lot of just sports fans in general have made sure that they watch that documentary and yeah they all say how how good it is and how they now hope that we we get promoted and uh, yeah so I think I think that's probably made people feel sorry for us but yeah. we'll take it <laughs> you, you get you get the sympathy vote certainly definitely <laughs> I mean, we had an anecdote from the guy from um, the North American Supporters Association saying that uh, Donald Trump's son's been watching the documentary. So, have <laughs> you heard that one? So, it does get around. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, have you got anything um, on the horizon? Have you got any meetups or any events that you want to tell us about and try and, uh, you know, see if we can we actually- uh, get a few more people along? Yeah, we actually do. So, this coming Sunday, which is Sunday, the 1st of December, we have our annual Christmas party slash end of year bash. So that's this Sunday from 11am in Sydney Park in Sydney. Uh, anybody who might be in Sydney who wants to come along but doesn't know where that is, it's close to Alexandria train station. Uh, and yet everybody's welcome. Um, yeah, family, friends, there'll be lots of children there. Um, yeah, anybody who wants to come along but isn't a Sunderland fan, all's welcome. We'll just be getting together and having a few bit of food few drinks in the park and just yeah c- celebrating a year of friendship if not the year of football well it sounds lovely and uh yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 on my uh, on my bucket list of places to go to australia i've not been out there yet um yeah. but a long way on oh. the plane as, as you'll know um yeah but, uh, it is yeah. a long way but once you do it you realize it's not that bad though rich <laughs> And if you do, then yeah, just give us a shout, and yeah, there'll be at least a few few Sunderland fans will happily show you around. Super. So, how do um, our Australia, our kind of New South Wales, um, Sydney, isn't it? Yeah. How do our our uh, fans around your area get in touch with the with the uh, the group? So, well, we have a a Facebook page of Sydney Sunderland supporters that is run by Chris. Uh, So far, we've got over five hundred members on that page, but. Any time that you, you know, want to to put, just drop a line to Chris, you can message him directly, or just look for the posts, the regular posts that come through about when we get together or things that are going on. Uh, we also have a Sydney Sunderland supporters Instagram page um, that's run by myself. And yeah, any anybody who wants to know anything about getting in touch with us or more about what we get up to can just drop me a line as well, and yeah, happily happily chat to them. That's wonderful. Well, it's been lovely to catch up with you again, Louise. Um, we'll yeah. Stay in touch. And um, yeah, thanks, for your time. thanks for your time this evening. Thanks for the call, Richard. And it was uh, lovely to hear from Louise there. Um, she She's uh, Paul, Paul Hunter's uh, sister and I think has uh, met up with you before, Martin. In a, she has. In, she's, in um, she's been to my house for barbecue once. Yes. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> we, we all end up bumping in, into Sunderland fans wherever we go, don't we? Uh, so we're going to move on through the show. We're going to play our regular feature, um, Playing Away, devised by uh, the one and only Martin Wanless, who's on the line here. I'll run through the rules really quickly. I think we've just about got a grasp on them. All three of you take turns to name a player uh, in the start and 11 of a, uh, of a game from this week in the history of Sunderland Association Football Club. 
you got two lives each. So if you if you get a name wrong, you lose a life. If you name a substitute, you have another go. The last uh, player standing gets two points. And if more than one player is still in after the uh, last player is named, all the remaining players get one point and, and will do goal difference as well. Because if, you if you've got one wrong, uh, you're going you're gonna to be lower down in, in our little mini league we've got. So the game I have for you this evening is from 2007. Um, the actual date of this i should get up really shouldn't i it was sunderland one derby county nil it was december the 1st 2007 so we are in the era of roy king we were playing at the stadium of light in front of 42,380 people the week before sunderland had been hammered 7-1 away at everton but both of these teams were newly promoted and both in the bottom three at the time so i'm gonna come to you first, Gary. Put you on the spot. I haven't told you what audios are coming in. So, uh, I'm Gary, if I was at this match, it's, it sounds familiar. Uh, although I just might have it completely wrong. Um, I'd go Carlos Edwards. Carlos Edwards was playing on the wing in that match. Well done. Yes. I actually think Carlos Ed- Edwards broke his leg in that game. I think he got he came off with a broken leg. He did come yeah, off on. You're right, Martin. He, he came off on 78 minutes. I've not read the uh, match report in enough detail to get that, but uh, he, he he definitely came off. So that might well be that game. Unfortunate for Carlos. So Niall, you're next. I'm leaving Martin last. It's his game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, obviously, uh, I'm not. I'm gonna. St- I'm. You know what it is. I'm gonna start the, at the front because I know I. I I know I'm, I can get this right. So I'm going to say Kevin Jones started up top. He did. He started up front in that match. Yeah. Kevin Jones. Quality Sorry, player. lads. That was... Uh, I, I just did that to get myself through, like, because I'm trying to think. But, uh, I, sorry. I go in for the obvious one. I apologise. Hey, they're all, all count equally. So we come to you, Martin. So well, we've got... I, uh, I, might, I might go at the other end of the pitch because... As you said, Rich, I think this came off the back of a really heavy um, defeat at Everton. And Craig Gordon had conceded a lot of goals. And I think he was replaced by Darren Ward. Oh, I tell you what, Martin, that's some knowledge there. Yes, absolutely. Darren Ward, the Welsh goalkeeper, was uh, was playing was in, that, him, in this actually. game. He was, wasn't he? Underrated. Had a good throw. Yeah, he's a good player. So we come to Gary for your second time round. So we, we're, we're, we've all got uh, one right so far. So, uh, Gary, who are you going to go for next? I'm going to go for Niall's good mate, uh, Danny Collins. Danny Collins, absolutely. <laughs> the second Welshman on the pitch from my neck of the woods up here in North Wales, Danny Collins. So, Niall, have you got any more obvious ones to go with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, this is my era, so I should be quite good at this. To be fair, but I am. It is hurting me ahead of it um, because that Darren Ward one. I, I am so because I couldn't decide whether Ward because I knew Ward had come in because of that Everton game, but I didn't think it was that game. I, I, I knew it was around there, but I didn't think it was that game. So that's why I said I'll go at the top because I wasn't sure about the keeper. Um, so I mean now I am going to go with another obvious one because I'm pretty sure I 
he would have started. In fact, I think he did start. Was um, I've actually got a funny story to tell you about this game afterwards. I'll tell you about it afterwards. But yeah, right. um, I think I think D Whitehead uh, played. He was central midfield. Absolutely, yeah, Dean Whitehead. That's another well easy one. Sorry, boys. That's all right. So Martin. <laughs> so we've got uh, Collins, Edwards, Whitehead, Jones, and Ward. So we're getting there. Getting there. Um, I'm probably going to be the first one to get one wrong now, I reckon. Um, I'm going to go for a player who Roy, Roy Keane seemed to to like quite a lot that season, if I remember correctly. Um, Ross Wallace. Oh, that's it. That's one I was expecting people not to get. Yeah, Ross Wallace is in the starting 11 in that game. Excellent. Well done. Excellent. So back to you, Gary. Choices at. Choices at. Because uh, we, we probably had quite a few, like quite a squad then. So I'm, I'm thinking a few, but as whether they play that particular game. But because I think Martin's throwing me now, if Everton was a game either before this or a couple of games before and they got walloped, then wholesale changes might have been made. Um, I was going to say Dwight York. Are you going to go with Dwight York? I don't like that tone, Rich, but yeah. I'm <laughs> but, go all right, that. well, that, that, that's your, the first one you've got wrong. He, he wasn't uh, in that team. Ooh. So that was, that's one against your name. Niall, we'll come to you. All right. Um, uh, I'm going to... It's tough, this. I'm going to go with Miller. You're going to go with Liam? Miller? No, you get you get another goal, Liam Miller, who, who tragically passed away um, last year and lost, still felt across football. I think uh, he was on the bench and did and did actually come on um, for uh, in 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 the uh, latter stages of the game. So you get another goal. He was on the bench. He was on the bench. Oh my god. Um. All right. Uh, who am I going to go for? Uh, oh, all right. Was was Ledbetter playing? I'm going to say Ledbetter. Grant Ledbetter yeah, in, in the middle, oh. and he was sub he was subbed off for for Liam Miller uh, on 80, oh. 83 minutes. Well done, well That's done. Good one. Right. I love it. So Martin, you 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 you're down to the bare bones here. We've got, I think mm. we're looking I think we're looking for three defenders and um, and a striker. I think we've got the midfield. Right. Well, I'm I'm going to go for. Oh, let's have a think. I've got a couple of defenders in mind. Um, Danny Higginbottom. Danny Higginbottom was absolutely there. That's a great answer. Because yeah, I think all of these defenders are, uh, are, are quite difficult to get. So Danny Higginbottom's a, a great answer there, Martin. So Gary, over to you. You've got a couple of defenders and a striker. Going to take a punt at the striker being Chopra. Chopra was on the bench, so you get another go. Oh, great. Uh <laughs> <laughs> was it two? <laughs> so the strike is still. Oh. It's horrible. Well, we'll I'd rather lose. <laughs> God, I don't want to. Not ready for this. This is to keep you in the game as well. Just to put a bit more pressure on. Oh, cheers. <laughs> uh, feel like feel like Parky. Uh, <laughs> Nosworthy. No, Nosworthy wasn't in the side. You're out, man. That's you gone. Pointless. You're you're out of it. Yeah. So we move over to Nile. Well, the thing is with this striker, it because I remember who scored the winner because it was a last minute winner, but I'm pretty sure he came off the bench. So, I mean, I can see him and I can get another bounce back. So I can see him. Is that right? So I mean, I can see him because I can see him. 
you're taking away my tiebreaker question, but same. <laughs> Give that away now. <laughs> okay, well, Stokes. Stokes came off the bench and scored on 90 bench. minutes. So I get That's another goal, right? Answer. So, but he's. But we've had Chopper, we've had Jones, we've had. Who's what? Because who was one of that striker? Are you sure it's another strike we're waiting for? I'm absolutely sure it's another striker. Absolutely. Well, the only other one then, and I wasn't sure if he ever started, but the only other one from that season, I thought he only ever came off the bench, is Andy Cole. But uh, oh, Andy Cole, what an answer. What an answer. That's, that's, that right? a, right. that's the to second honest, striker. That's, that's not that good of an answer because he was the only other strike I think we had on the books. So, in that sense, so <laughs> I just... I, I kind of used the Stokes thing with that. Sorry, Rich, but I no, 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 like... no. That's good knowledge. You knew it scored <laughs> and and you used it. That's that's playing the game. So Martin, you were down to two defenders, mate. Two defenders. So we've already got Higginbottom and Collins, who are both left-footed defenders, weren't they? Um. um so I reckon another defender. We've we've had. Nyron, who wasn't um, wasn't correct. Um, I'm going to go for Paul McShane. Paul McShane, yep, he was there. So Niall, you are left with the last answer. Gary's still in, is he? Is Gary not still in? No, Gary's out. Gary out. Gary's out. Yeah, yeah, Gary's out. It's Niall. If I were in, I'd say Mark Lynch. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still there, Niall? He's Googling. He's on Google. Sorry, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Talking. I've been sitting talking, but I had my mic on mute. <laughs> um, right. Cheers for your undivided okay. attention, um, as I, ever. I, I honestly, yeah, yeah. I honestly don't have a clue, if I'm being honest, but um, I'm going to go... Uh, the only one... I, I'm going to go with Ian Hart. Ian Hart. You know what? You're good at this game. That he was on the bench. Was it? So you get one oh, more goal. Oh, <laughs> God's sake! Who else? Oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you a clue because I knew this would be the last name on this team sheet in this game. Unless, right? You know what it is. I'm going to take a shot of the dark. I've got two names, but I'm pretty sure I'm not of them would have played that game. But uh, I did this last week and I got it, and everybody took the mix. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it this week. Oh, was it, it was Greg Halford? Ah, there you go. Yeah, there you Is go. Right? You've done it. You've done it, and uh, it's uh, one, one. Oh. <laughs> one point each for Niall and Mark. Because I knew. I knew, I knew he was injured, right? But I was gonna say Richardson, but I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't think of another player who would have been playing at full because it was a fullback. Well, wait, I just couldn't think. Where was Barsley? So, Where was Barsley at that time? I, I think Barsley in came in in that January. Same in oh, January, yeah. Okay. I, I think yeah, Richardson yeah, signed. Him. I don't think Richardson was there that season, was he? I think, yeah, he signed at the start that season. Signed in. Saying yeah. that somehow. Well, that that was the first year of my season ticket that year. Um, and like I say, can I quickly tell me funny stories? Aye, go on, go on. All right. So that game, um, obviously, I used to sit next to my brother for all the games or season ticket holders together. And when when Anthony Stokes scored, I 
I actually ran on the pitch and there's actually if you watch that goal where Stoke scores where he like it's like a weird kind of over the head kick thing from a yard out you could actually see me just like you wouldn't be able to recognise as I like, planned what I was wearing run on the pitch and actually run on with the players and I'm celebrating in the monks of the players for that goal uh, I so that's how I knew that Whitehead was playing because I remember seeing D Whitehead right in front of us and being a bit starstruck as he was celebrating <laughs> the goal so, uh, <laughs> so no, no football banning order for you then for encroaching on the pitch then. Well, I haven't had one, but I might get one now. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> they, know uh, they know how to find you now. No, what was honestly what was we had the Stuart let us on because we all started because we used to run down because I was war five. We used to run down and the Stuart opened the like opened the little like ribbon thing and, and let us on, so we just ran on. So uh-huh. you can't complain then, can they? Right, no, so uh, well done on that, lads. Uh, I thought that was quite difficult. I thought Greg Halford was uh, was a great answer there. No, that's 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 some good knowledge, but good knowledge all round, uh, apart from Harry, obviously, because you got knocked out, mate. Darren, Ro- Darren Ward was the best one there. That, <laughs> Darren, Darren Ward. Darren Ward was the best answer there. Like, I think we almost got the entire squad as well because he got all of the subs. I mean, someone mentioned Craig Gordon. He was the he was the other sub. It wasn't mentioned. So so well done, lads. Anyway, so we're going to bring the pod to an end now. Uh, but before we go, we've got some branch updates and uh, and a bit of a special announcement. So the branch updates, Thames Valley Mackhams, our friends there, have got their Christmas drinks on the 18th of December at the Grey Friars in Reading. And you can get all the information about that on Twitter at TV Mackhams. Our friends in the North American Supporters Association they have Ontario meetups in Canada planned for um, Kitchener-Waterloo in December, Burlington in January, Kingston in January. And they also have a meetup in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, for the Gillingham game too. You can check out their Facebook and their Twitter. Their Twitter is at SAFC underscore NASA, N-A-S-A. Um, as you will have heard earlier, the Sydney supporters uh, group have their... Uh, Christmas meetup in Sydney Park, which I'm sure will be lovely on the 1st of December this coming weekend. And um, and Louise give you all the, the ways to get in touch with them. And we have a special announcement as well that the Roker Report and the other fanzines and fan media uh, outfits out there, A Love Supreme, Wise Men Say and the SAFC Fans TV group uh, are all getting together for a special recording this weekend and they're after your questions and talking points so if you can get in touch with with any of the the fan media organizations through the various social media channels uh, they'd welcome your your questions your talking points for that for that special recording they've got coming up thanks for listening and thanks for your time gary and martin and niall good to talk no to you guys all right. Cheers, lads. Speak to you soon. Sarah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.